Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. Very excited to bring you another episode with someone I found so interesting. So I have a list of sort of themes and on that list was to talk about travel. I wanted to do a whole episode on just talking about travel. So I wanted to invite Anna Hart on as a guest today. She is one of my favourite travel writers and she's just written a book called Departures and I really wanted to talk to her about the book and in general the decade of experience that she has writing about travel. So Anna writes for The Telegraph, Grazia, GQ, The Guardian, Condé Nast Traveller, Sunday Times Travel, and she is the contributing travel editor of Stylist magazine, which is where I discovered Anna's writing in the first place, and I really would look forward to reading her travel reviews in Stylist every week. Departures is a book published by Anna this year and it tells stories exploring the world as a traveller. She writes about the highs and lows of travelling alone as a woman and she shows that even the experts get it wrong sometimes and advice on how to get it right. I love this interview for that reason and the way that she talks about her book, the fact that she wanted to bring more of an unfiltered, non-airbrushed travel memoir because I think we all know that travel is an amazing thing to do but it's also portrayed in this very glossy way on Instagram and we kind of think that everyone has these perfect holidays, perfect travel arrangements but we all know that they can go horribly wrong, things can definitely not go to plan and it can be quite scary if you're a solo traveller, especially if you're a young woman with a backpack and Anna really speaks to that audience of people who might want to explore the world more often. We talk about the responsibility of being a travel journalist, how you need to bring sort of true stories from the nitty gritty hidden corners of a place, but also how you need to sort of really make sure you're promoting somewhere in an authentic way. Because a lot of us, we don't get a lot of holiday time really. And so we want to really invest in that week or two weeks. And we want to go on a recommendation that really is painting a true picture, I suppose. Um, So yeah, this whole episode really is about how travel will change your life how to overcome travel anxiety. I have a lot of travel anxiety, especially when it comes to boarding a plane. So we talk about being a nervous flyer or passenger. We also touch on how Anna actually physically wrote the book, being someone who isn't really in one place very often, and how travel really is a way of us becoming more of ourselves. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I feel really um, excited about the year ahead. I'm definitely going to check out some destinations of places I might want to go one day. And I hope you really enjoy it as much as I did recording it. So here it is. So welcome Anna Hart to my podcast. Thank you, Emma. Let's paint a picture of where we are first because um, it's pretty cool. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I got to let you into Noran House, um, which is a new millennial-friendly uh, private members club, um, a bit of an alternative to, to the Soho houses, more affordable, really geared up towards digital nomads. Um, so you can stay here for a residency of just a couple of weeks or be here for months at a time. It was really set up as a, you know, in response to the need for digital nomads um, and people who work um, in a location-independent mm-hmm. uh, manner. Um, it was really their need for community um, and a house that actually feels a bit more like a collaborative space and a flat share rather than just an Airbnb where they're kind of on their own, they come yeah. in at night. Um, and as you can tell, I mean, it actually does have a really lovely, glamorous flat share atmosphere. I mean, it's this is... So um, nice. 
I mean, it is a glamorous flat share. I did not live in a flat like this in Dalston. Uh, but what we do want from, from traveling now is is connection mm-hmm. and and ideally the opportunity as well to collaborate with other people mm-hmm. and really like bed down and like get our nails into the local area. Yeah, um, definitely. It's in a good location for that. And I feel like they've nailed the whole, like it's welcoming yeah. and it's Instagrammable. Yeah. But it's also, um, it's quite unique, actually. Yeah. And yeah. we are in this gorgeous uh, three-story townhouse just off Brick Lane. Uh, it feels really historic, a little mm-hmm. bit Victorian. I feel like my bedroom feels like the original Virginia Woolf room of her own. Um, so, yeah, it yeah. feels like this is a, a place you want to just hole up and write mystery novels. Yeah, I'm glad we're doing it in here for that reason. I've followed your writing for so many years in Stylist. How long have you been working kind of in collaboration with them? Well, I actually, my first ever job um, straight out of university in Glasgow was at FHM magazine. So I started out in men's mags. Um, actually, at the time, I really believed that men's magazines were more feminist than women's magazines. At the time, I, I thought that most women's magazines mm. were quite patronising. They didn't really devote enough time or space uh, to pop culture, like music and film, which I was really passionate about. Mm. I thought that they were actually full of diet features and were actually were doing a less good job of celebrating women's bodies than lads' mags. Um, I have modified that over the years because obviously women's magazines, I think, about their game, become a lot more feminist, um, really in response to angry readers. Mm. Um, and men's magazines obviously have totally tanked and FHM doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, but after FHM, I moved to Grazia and was commissioning ed there for a couple of years and then stylist as features editor. Um, and when I left stylist, I was one of the most travel-obsessed people on the team, and they offered me the role of a contributing travel editor, Mm -hmm. which was a bit of a dream gig. So I spent three years traveling the world, you know, covering new emerging destinations, freelancing for other titles like The Guardian and The Telegraph, and actually still Grazia. The role of contributing travel editor at Stylist really was a a whirlwind of of three years of, of press trips, traveling all over the world, um, hunting out kind of new emerging destinations and and new hotels that I felt were kind of right for the type stylist readership. Um, and the lovely thing about writing for stylists was I was writing for myself and my mm-hmm. friends. You know, I, I was a stylist reader as well yeah. as a writer, which makes it all so much easier. It's funny on the press release for your book, which we'll get on to in a bit, <laughs> um, is it Dawn O'Porter that says, like, I want your life. I want Anna Hart's <laughs> life or something. But I think what I love about you as well is you you definitely had this like amazing I want to live vicariously through you but also you were honest about um like sometimes traveling can be exhausting and also like lonely at times yeah but on the whole oh my god I want your life (laughs) (laughs) well I'm glad the honesty comes across I mean that's definitely something that I I wanted to do with with the book and one of the reasons that I wrote Departures um was to provide a really unfiltered like non-airbrushed version of of travel um because much as I, I really believe in like Instagram inspiring us to, to you know, and, and opening our eyes to other destinations and exposing us to other hotels that we might, you know, we might not have known about otherwise. It is a very glossy world, like the world of travel on Instagram. Um, and travel can be hard. You can get it wrong. You can be the worst traveler ever. Mm. And I just wanted to write a book about 
being being a bad traveler, becoming a good one, always being a passionate traveler, but going from being a really inexperienced 17 year old who just wanted to get drunk all the time uh, to someone who travels and works for a living yeah, um, and really thinks hard about responsible travel and and work travel arrangements and really the future of travel in, in 2018. Did you ever have anyone kind of near to you or just strangers just sort of saying like, how is that a job? I, I do. I mean, a lot I mean, of I understand people... <laughs> it is, by the way, because I, you know... Yeah. dip my toe in it sometimes but I'm asking that because I get asked that I mean I I I invite it obviously because if you look at my Instagram feed it just looks like I'm on a constant holiday and uh, but obviously it is my job to promote travel and you know and and write about it and highlight the places that I've been to so it is a very kind of very positive world um and a thriving industry like absolutely who doesn't want to go and who doesn't want to spend their hard-earned cash on experiences yeah I really feel like for our generation of women, like travel is the ultimate luxury. You know, if, if maybe women 10 years older than us, you know, really coveted Louboutin shoes, you know, Halston mm. dresses, the whole kind of sex in the city uh, era, you know, we're, we, want to, we want to travel to Barcelona for the weekend with our friends. You know, we want to stay at a new boutique hotel. Um, we want to ideally work, work for a few weeks in Bali if we can. Um, so travel is our, our big luxury. It's what we're willing to spend big on. It's it's what we'll spend our lunch times researching online. Mm. Um, and I, I really do feel that that's something to be encouraged because um, travel will change your life way, way more than a pair of shoes. Oh my God, 100%. <laughs> and looking back on mm. memories is just like, if you look back on your year, you're, always gonna, you're never ever going to regret any mm. trip you take. Absolutely. There's no experience is wasted, uh, even... Even the tough trips, so the trips where you're sick or you just get it all wrong, yeah. you know, it does, it, it changes you and ultimately it changes you for the better. Yeah. I wanted to ask you actually about um, something that I was thinking of the other day. I watched um, Wild by Cheryl Strayed, but I read the book ages ago, but I watched the film again and I watched it with my boyfriend and he was like, he was really taken aback and quite shocked at the scenes. I don't know if you've seen yeah. it. Mm-hmm. The scenes where she's in on her own, like putting the tent up and those men come over yeah. and like make her feel really vulnerable. And he was like, oh my God, I've never thought about that because he's a guy and he's yeah. six foot. He was just like, oh yeah, that must be really scary. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's what it feels like when people are like yeah. threatening you. But I wondered, um, and I haven't read your book yet, but I'm so excited to, do you touch on like any of those moments? I think that that scene in Wild where Reese Witherspoon is putting up her tent and those two men lurk around and there's that ambiguity which every woman is familiar with where you, do, where you just think, when, when do I panic? You know, at what point do I panic? Am I, am I going to be raped and killed? Or are they just weirdos lurking around? Are they trying to help? And we're all really familiar with, like, with weighing, up, um, weighing up threats really around us. Um, and so I do cover that in the book, you know, just my nerves traveling as a, as a kind of young um, teenager around Poland and, and in Thailand. I mean, I actually feel like in some ways we're safer now than we used to be when I, when I traveled, where we weren't, I wasn't hooked up to a smartphone. Mm. Um, I couldn't kind of crowdsource courage from train platforms by telling people where I was and checking in constantly. So I like to think that things have got a bit safer. Mm. Um, however, really, what we need is just <laughs> men to stop being so dangerous and threatening. Um, that's really um, what we need to work on. Yeah, definitely. It's like, 
let's like, have more tools for women to feel safe or... Or men could just stop raping yeah. and killing women. I'm not going to lie, like my first trip to Thailand, which I'm quite open about in the book, you know, I stood on the train platform, you know, fresh off, off, the, off the flight, convinced that the man at the other, the man at the other end of the platform was, was a killer. Um, I was so stressed and so horrified. Um, and I really did have to learn courage and learn to judge my surroundings. And, and now I, I feel like I'm, you know, pretty streetwise and as safe as somebody who wants to remain open to experiences can be. Mm. Um, Are you organised with like the plastic wallet and the passport holder and like the... <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm so shit. I would love to be able to say that, yes, I have... Um, I, I have one of those kind of you know, the strange ones document wallets <laughs> that goes inside your knickers. But no, I basically just operate exactly the same way as I do in London. I mean, Hackney, which is where I lived for 10 years, is, you know, is meant to be one of the one of the crime hotspots mm. of the world. So I just leave in like keeping your wits about you. I Personally, I feel like it's more important to look like you have a bit of a clue as you're walking around and to, to look positive as well. Obviously, to like know where you're going and not end up on on dodgy, empty streets, you know, stick to kind of busy areas. Yeah. Um, but I think there's all sorts of steps that, that, that women can take to make sure that they don't feel scared um, to travel on their own. However, it's, it is a reality that, that male travellers and female travellers experience the world differently. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's one depressing reminder that, you know, we're still a long way from, from, from equality of opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it's really great and really kind of encouraging watching someone like you have these amazing experiences and like I definitely follow what you do and think that makes me want to travel more. So it's such a like confidence building thing watching other women do it, I find. Well that means a lot to hear. I mean if I do have a reason for you know for doing my job it is to encourage women to get out there and travel. Um, You know I really do believe that it's one of the most powerful tools for, 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 for changing our lives, uh, for getting out of ruts, you know, for developing as a human. It mm. helps your career, it helps your social circle. Um, and I, I really do want departures to be a bit of a companion to women as they step out into the world. Um, and I promise I am not a patronising companion who knows it all. I, you know, I've made my fair share of mistakes and I'm really, really honest about them in the book. Yeah. Was it fun writing it? Or look, like looking back over all of your experiences? It was such so much fun to write it. I mean, as you'd know as a journalist, um, being a journalist really involves wearing different hats for different publications. So I'll have my Condonest Traveller hat on or my stylist hat or my GQ hat. Um, and you have to write in a different tone of voice for, for each publication. And really writing the book just felt like taking the hats off and like mm. shaking my hair in the breeze and just being just being hatless like not having not having to think about what an editor will think uh, just really writing for me and my reader who mm. is pretty much you know my friends people yes. like you and I yeah yeah definitely <laughs> did you write it whilst traveling like how did you how did you where where did you and um, so bits of it I did write traveling um I originally, when I pitched the idea, I kind of hoped that I could pillage um, articles that I'd written over the years. To be honest, I quickly realised that every one of those articles had been written for a specific title, and I was right, this was completely different. Um, so I would use them for reference, you know, to remember facts and details. But actually... Oh, that's useful. Yeah, it was yeah. useful to have a kind of, you know, record of, of you know, of, of, of dates and, and, you know, place names. 
Um, but actually, I, I wrote it all longhand. So I would take a notebook book and try and sit outdoors mm-hmm. um, and sit and scribble a chapter at a time. And then I would type it up later. Um, and I mainly did that because it was the summer. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I had a day job as a journalist and finishing up at like six or seven o'clock at night the last thing I felt like doing was more Mm. writing at my laptop on the book so it was a way of kind of making a break between the day jobs of of journalism and writing the book and it was also just it meant I got outside and away from a screen um but I really did find that something I think a bit magical happens when you put pen to paper I think it's it's muscle memory or something but I Mm. I, I wrote in a much more free and liberated way. Um, and That's, yeah. I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'd actually really recommend it to anyone whose life is a bit too screen heavy mm. um, to write what you can longhand in a notebook uh, and then leaving gaps, you know, like I would literally have bits where I would say, insert brief history of Poland. <laughs> so quite major gaps, um, but anything that required research, I could just leave a gap for. But anything that I could get out of my soul... Um, sitting under a tree in the park uh, mm. it was worth doing it that way I love that I've only <laughs> yeah. ever heard in an interview someone else say that who was Dawn French oh really she says wow. she writes everything out by hand and I was like oh my god but then it makes so much sense that you would for like a creativity purpose like going analog is like is a different thing you get yeah. you get stuff from a different place maybe I think it's I think it helped for some practical reasons so there's Obviously, you're removed from any distractions. I mean, let's face it, our, my MacBook is a buffet of distractions. There's Facebook, there's eBay, there's Refinery29. Mm. Um, and so removing them really helped. Um, also, I think sometimes staring at the blank page in a screen can be a bit intimidating. Um, but as I said, I do just think something a little bit spooky happens when you go outside somewhere beautiful and you know put pen in your hand and, mm-hmm. and push it down on paper and just 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 see what happens. Yeah, definitely. And do you? I wanted to ask you this actually because it's something that um, I find tricky sometimes. I've started to get more and more anxious as a flyer as I get older. Yeah. I wondered how do you? How are you with travel? Like the actual travel itself with flights and like <laughs> boats and friggin whatever it takes to get there this is such an embarrassing uh, admission but I'm actually completely terrified on, on flights um, and a really bad car passenger as well uh, I mean I basically can't touch caffeine the day of a flight or a long car journey um, I view every kind of jolt uh of turbulence as you know ah the engine has fallen out of the plane and we're about to plummet to our death it's um, quite comforting hearing you say that only because I'm like okay it won't hold me back then I am I, I promise I am actually such a nervous plane passenger and even even I never quite believe that I'm going to land safely somewhere people will say yeah I'll see pick you up at the airport and I'm like that'll be right <laughs> I'll be dead <laughs> it's like same you know that bit at the end where the pilot's like comes out of the cockpit and is like you know waving you off I like look him in the eye and I'm like thank you yes absolutely <laughs> like because thank I'm you. alive you me. I get Phew. to live another day <laughs> absolutely I text my friends like what are the chances I made it phew phew <laughs> and I know I don't care about the statistics I like probability means nothing to me so for me um travel that you know you're meant to enjoy the journey I'm too busy thinking about dying (laughs) and getting there yeah yeah yeah. the thing is I have friends who like have no anxiety like in their Mm. bones at all and they just kind of think and actually it does help sometimes when they just say 
Emma, you know that like the the probability of you like literally stepping outside of your house, yeah, and crossing the road is way higher than a plane. And I'm like, all of these log- like logical yeah. things mean nothing to me. But I actually haven't done the course. There's a course that you can take, I think, to like to like yeah. find out how a plane actually works. And but someone like paraphrased bits of it to me. And essentially, the suction of the air, it like the plane is not going anywhere. Like, because of gravity and because really? of, like, physics. Yeah. Like, okay. it's fine. I th- right. But I just wondered, um, were there any, like, pre-sort of travel rituals you do or, like, anything like that? So I, I do essentially accept that I'm going to be pretty terrified on the flight. And so everything I do is about calming my quaking nerves. So as I, as I mentioned, I don't touch caffeine that day. Um, I'll normally plug myself into a really reassuring playlist or a really good podcast like S-Town or This American Life or something just to really distract myself yeah work is also quite a good distraction um but and I try not to rely on booze because otherwise I would literally just count my way I through, was literally but, gonna ask you that yeah. <laughs> like do you just get drunk on the flight because like I get how that would work for some people wouldn't it but yeah you know I, I always feel a bit because I'm travelling somewhere with a mission and I need to kind of hit the ground running because I know that I've got so much to achieve when I get there. I really don't normally uh, drink on the flight because I want to I want to get there, I want to get out, I want to get exploring. I mean, I, I'm so lucky to make a living, you know, travelling and, and interviewing people about, you know, interesting stuff that I find in the world. I mean, I, I, would, I would call myself a travel journalist, but while I'm in a destination, I'll always look for other stories that aren't beyond a hotel review or a destination piece. Mm-hmm. So perhaps interviewing a chef in the area about some new kind of culinary trend and getting something into the food pages mm-hmm. or an up-and-coming fashion designer or even something like more newsy. You know, if I've noticed, you know, smog in the city or there's some sort of like some initiative to stop bike theft, as, you know, as I saw in Vancouver recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll always be kind of sniffing out for stories that go beyond, beyond a nice city break piece about Vancouver I'll be looking trying to get under the skin of it a little bit more um so there's I kind of can't really miss a beat and I do have to get up early get out um tempting as it is to kind of flop on a sun lounger I I genuinely can't remember the last time Mm. I sat on a sun lounger Mm. (laughs) uh, because it's my job to be out and about and on the streets and meeting everybody I can and really just soak up as much as I possibly can of the destination in my time there and it's so important, isn't it? Because everyone has an Instagram feed now. So, like, everyone mm. can post stuff. And I find, like, I do, like, the odd article. I think to be a travel writer, like, you you earn your stripes. But then how do you feel that, like, uh, you know, anyone can post, like, a hotel review? Do you just think that, like, yeah. more people should tell stories properly? I mean, I definitely... I feel like a real sense of duty um, when I travel anywhere. Like, and not to the hotel owner or to the tourist board, um, but, to, but to my readers and, and my social media followers. Because, I mean, there's a special place in hell for someone who sends someone on the wrong holiday. <laughs> I will, will not mess with something as precious as somebody's holiday time. And I only want to be bringing people, you know, the, the best hotels that I think genuinely offer value for money that I would pay for myself, you know, if I, if I had the funds. Or an amazing adventure that if if I won the lottery, that is exactly how I would spend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really matters to me that everything that I recommend is is a really wholehearted recommendation. And also right from my kind of reader, which is, you know, as, as we said, you know, kind of myself, you know, so it is my taste. 
So I don't really write about beach resorts because they're not really my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really write about chain hotels. Actually, five-star luxury isn't my thing. It creeps me out a little bit and annoys me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm much more into kind I'm of... I'm the same. Do you not like I luxury? Went, I went to like... Um, my thing is like I hate man-made resorts. Yeah, like I, Where am I? I like I went to <laughs> Egypt to review something for Glamour, um, which was a cool opportunity. But was I in Egypt? Because yeah. I was in like some resort away from everything I want to be in like the thick of the culture absolutely I mean and that's that's very much our kind of generation of women and this is the this is my readership and these are the people really I'm, I'm trying to write for in, in departures um, and but, that's why you people follow you as well is because you will hunt out those amazing gems and like hidden treasures and yeah, yeah. it's I mean it, it kind of goes both ways I mean I, I wouldn't find myself nourished by that kind of trip because as you say you're really removed from from the culture um of a place and and you could pretty much be anywhere that beach resort could be in Bali in Sri Lanka or in Egypt you, you don't really know um but also it's really not a pleasant feeling as a, as a traveler to feel like you're part of a problem rather than something that's actually improving the quality of life for the local community mm-hmm. and certainly a lot of the multinational big resorts that buy up buy up and privatize the beaches they're they're really you know none of that money is filtering into the pockets of the fisher fisherman <laughs> community that was displaced by that hotel and mm-hmm. um, you know you're not really spending your money it's all all-inclusive resorts and the money is pretty much going to some like swiss swiss hotelier mm-hmm. um, and that's really not a nice feeling and i think travel done well can really change us you know so it can change the travelers lives for the better but it can also really improve the lives and the livelihoods of the local community mm-hmm. but we have to tread so carefully it's so easy to get it wrong yeah and well we'll... that that community and connection part of things you know that's also what makes a good book as well because you've like you, you couldn't write a book of just like i stayed in this hotel like yeah it's you have so much material from like your yeah the connections you've made along the way yeah absolutely I mean it's kind of it's about getting out and and you know chatting to people on the street and the little interactions that you have in a coffee shop um so really I I would I get none of the joy of travel from a a beach resort well a a big kind of beach resort anyway also I get a bit tetchy at the whole kind of one-size-fits-all attitude Mm. to, to luxury the idea that you know that we have to love a big fluffy bathrobe and that we want a massive flat screen telly and that we want a marble bathroom. And I just feel like sometimes it can be like overbearing because you actually want to just relax and things like that. I mean, for me, you know, good service is actually about knowing when to leave guests alone mm. and, and actually just a bit more of a hands-off approach. Um, and certainly, you know, a lot of kind of five-star resorts, you'll be nearly, you're constantly pestered by people wondering if you want new towels or if you're okay or if you want to order another drink um and actually it's just as quite an awkward person generally Mm. that that is my nightmare I just want to be left alone yeah it kind of all links back to like the whole fancy things don't make you happy yeah (laughs) that like sometimes you had kind of I feel like so privileged to like have been able to experience like a five-star luxury to then know I don't like it. <laughs> you know what? It's like, it's yeah. a weird, weird one. I think that is, that is such a key thing to say. And I'm always, always have to remind myself how lucky I am to be mm. 34 and to already be over five star luxury resorts. I mean, what, 
what yeah. what what a jerk I am. Um, but it was yeah during my time at Stylist, I did a phenomenal amount of travel, and I started to really hone my travel tastes and re- and I realized that actually the trips that really meant a lot to me were generally adventure travel so like quite long haul something intrepid mm. you'd get you know mud under your fingernails so gorilla tracking in Rwanda or driving the ice roads in the Yukon territory um or dune surfing in Namibia those were the trips mm. that really really changed me and I came back feeling transformed um and I'm also quite passionate about emerging city destinations being from Belfast which was ignored by the, <laughs> by travelers for good reason for for, for decades mm-hmm. I, I really do believe in you know in um in promoting cities that have perhaps been neglected I think there's quite often there's an amazing cultural resurgence there it city can, airport as well like, absolutely get there in like no time yeah yeah no it's um so I've, i some of my favourite cities that I've covered have been Belfast, Detroit, Naples, um, cities that other people say I oh, don't don't bother with that they're not mm. as nice. So I, I really love kind of getting under the skin of a an emerging destination or a city that maybe people don't immediately think of as city bright material. Um, and so emerging city destinations and adventure travel and that's pretty much um, my specialty these days. And I, I'm not really very comfortable at a posh spa hotel. I don't really like luxury. I, d- I don't really like beach resorts. It must um, be easy for you now to like look at an opportunity and kind of be like, oh, that's not really me, or that is me. Yeah, I think, I think as you know, I've always said this about my career that your career in your twenties is about saying yes to everything that you can, and then your career in your thirties is really about um, what you say no to, and and what improves your career is saying no to the right things. And that's really how I feel about travel as well. You know, I definitely had to go through a few years where I just snapped up every opportunity. I was a total glutton for travel and it was amazing. Um, but now really my my travel tastes are are more are more honed and I, I know what nourishes me. I know what I write well about. Um, and it is about saying no to the trips that just aren't aren't really right mm. for me or my readers. It sounds like you've got such a lovely, lovely home set up, like in, in just being by more nature. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard amazing things about where where you are based now. Is it like you have to have a really amazing opportunity to pull you away from your own bed? You know, that that might be true. So I, I um, about a year and a half ago, I left my beloved Hackney, uh, really because rent was so high. I'd, I'd also had spent six months in LA and it started to just become really attached to seeing the ocean every day. Mm. Um, and so I started to look a little bit further afield and it was actually a commission that took me out to the, the opening of dreamland in margate and something happened when i was in margate which i've always slightly expected would happen on a pressure which is i started to think of a of it like home i started mm-hmm. to think of margate like home rather than a kind of weekend commission um, and so a couple of years later i, I moved there and I really love it. And it has mm. completely changed my quality of life. I get to swim in the sea most days, even in winter, like, like a nutter. Um, I, it's opened up spontaneity again in a way that I, I will see my friends a couple of times a day or at least a few times a week. Um, they live on the same street mm. as me. And admittedly, I mean, there are actually quite a lot of us who have moved out from Hackney for similar reasons. So there's a really lovely community of, of young people that are doing kind of interesting, creative things. But yeah, I definitely do feel like now that I live 
like basically on the beach and and in in a place where I can beauty is readily accessible at the end of my road mm. it does need to be a pretty special trip that will that will take me away from there yeah and I and I guess if I'm really honest um you know I have started to wonder like what what did drive me to travel quite so much you know over the last few years you know I was always so happy to like leave London and, and my relationship and just dash off and now I think actually it is about making sure that I've got something lovely to return to as well and, mm-hmm. and still really valuing my tra- my travels uh, but wanting to make sure that I've I've got a good life to come home to and, and friends who still remember my name. <laughs> I love that because I read something recently that was talking about how Basically, when you travel, you might want to escape, but you'll you can never escape from like yourself, like and your life. Mm. So therefore, when you're traveling, really, you should you shouldn't ever be like trying to run away from anything because it's your life. Like you, yeah. I'm not paraphrasing it very well, but essentially, it was just like you're always with yourself, so you can't escape from everything. Yeah, I mean, you can travel can distract you from your problems back home, but you you still have to take yourself on holiday and you're yeah. still you on that sun lounger in, in Greece. I find perspective as well as one thing that travel will always bring me. Absolutely. Like that distance from a, from a thing where you're like, is it that bad? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I really, I think for me, the aim is, I, I mean, I think if you're dreading returning home after a trip, you do need to reassess things a little bit because... Ideally, you'll be you'll be sad to be leaving an amazing trip, but you'll also have have learned something. You'll have perspective. You'll be excited about seeing friends or family, or excited about a work project back home. You should feel really reinvigorated and ready to get and re-enter life back home. And if if you're not, if you're genuinely dreading going back to that, you know, overpriced flat in East London and your slightly annoying flatmate and starting a job that you don't really love on Monday then I, I do think you probably need to have a bit of a, a rethink. Mm, that's really good advice. Mm. Were you inspired by any other books, like any other memoirs? Because I feel like there's like travel memoirs, but your book feels so relevant and modern. I feel like some of the travel memoirs I've loved in the past are like 20 years old now. Like, yeah. Were you inspired by anything? So that was, that was quite an interesting thought. I mean, actually, I mean, I would absolutely need to you know tip my hat off to Bill Bryson I, I love his travel writing it is accessible and joyful and funny and I also I mean I loved Eat Pray Love I, lo- I loved Wild um, I mean this book it does actually feel like it's it's a bit different to any of those though um, and there's a lot, there a lot quite a few memoirs have been written recently but this is part travelogue part memoir and um, so I'm hoping that it really will speak to my generation mm-hmm. of of young passionate travelers who really do appreciate that travel is how we become ourselves you know travel travel changes us mm-hmm. um and i guess i would describe it as a really slow coming of age story uh through different trips mm-hmm. from the age of 17 and until 35 amazing i'm so happy you've <laughs> written it because i think it's so needed also the fact that just as a traveler like you're always very generous with like your tips not like tips but kind of you're very you are quite practical with like this is what I've learned yeah and I love that well I think I mean I do really believe that I mean I hope that departures will be a little bit of a corrective to a lot of the travel journalism out there I I mean I know I'm a travel journalist so I am part of the problem but a lot of it is quite aspirational and glossy and really we do need a bit more honesty there and 
and we need to be really upfront about value and danger and where it's worth going and, and where isn't. Mm. So when is your book out <laughs> and where can people buy it? Um, so my book uh, Departures is out on the 15th of February. Um, I think you'll be able to buy it in most places. It's certainly on pre-order on pre-order, Amazon yeah. at the moment. Um, so yes, you can pre-order it and make me feel really special. <laughs> I would be very grateful. But it's a total delight to be on your podcast because I really oh. do feel like you are my target reader and, and your listeners are my target reader. Oh yeah, Absolutely for sure. For you. Literally. <laughs> and also I'm so interested in like the intersection between work and travel yeah. because I feel like our careers are changing so much yeah. that actually our lifestyles are changing with it. Thank I you. I love that. I could have gone on for I know, ages. me too.